Good morning. Good morning, all. How are we all? Doing okay? A few people have commented on my cool dress sense today. So I'm very grateful of that, but also that would suggest I don't normally look cool. So it's kind of a mixed blessing, to be honest. But it really is, look at you all, what a distraction it's going to be now, isn't it? Listen to Jesus' teaching to us this morning, okay? Take your eyes off of my incredible outfit. Let's focus on Jesus. But we are, as Glenda and Adele have implied, we are looking at all in this morning, considering what it is to be all in. And today we are considering what it is for me, for us to play our part. How can I be all in and play my role here at Central? What can I expect of one another? What can I expect for leadership? But also what is expected of me? How can I contribute to Central flourishing in this city? And it's worth saying at the start, we want to thank you for the many different ways you do incredible things to serve this church and serve this city. We are so blessed to have an amazing church family who do remarkable things, who love one another so well and love this city fantastically. It is genuinely a real privilege to be part of a church family like this, so thank you. And do consider what All In means, and we'd love you to sign up, and if you fill this in, then this will give you a 20% discount at Tesco, so that's really helpful. It doesn't, just for clarity. But it does help our administration, so that would be really appreciated. And we do want to consider, once again, what it means for us to commit and recommit to this church. But what I want to do for a few moments this morning is consider what it means to be all in for Jesus. We want to look to Jesus. I know that's slightly controversial, but I want to look to Jesus and ask, what does he want to say to us this morning? We're going to look at John's gospel and ask, what does he want to say to us this morning? As we consider this next season, as we consider being all in here at Central, how is he asking us to play our part? What does it mean for me to love Jesus, to serve Jesus, and to follow Jesus? That's the most important thing that we want from one another. We want to love this city, absolutely. We want to be family, absolutely. But first and foremost, what we desire is that we love Jesus. Honestly, filling this in is fantastic. It's really helpful. And we want you to be all in at Central. We want you to be recommitting or committing to be a member. But far more important than that is our heart to know that you want to commit to Jesus in this season, to come to him and say, I want to be all in for Jesus. That's far more important. Yes, we'd love you to commit to being part of this church. We want to be all in to Jesus this morning. So I'm going to open up John 14 from verse 1. John 14 from verse 1. If you've got a Bible, great. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You never wait a place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know me, know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him, you, sorry, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these because I'm going to be with the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let me quickly pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessing of being able to access and read scriptures. That we pray you'd speak profoundly to us this morning as individuals and as a church family. Would you speak to our hearts and our minds where you want to sharpen us? Would we be open to that where you want to encourage and affirm us? Would we receive that too? In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So John's gospel was a fascinating insight into the life of Jesus. It's full of color, of energy, of vibrancy. It really is an amazing story, an amazing journey of the life of Jesus. And it's a real roller coaster of a ride. There's ups, there's downs, there's highs, there's lows, there's excitement, there's hurt, there's pain, there's struggle. But then the first is split really into two halves. The first half is about the different miracles that point towards Jesus, the seven signs that point towards Jesus. And seven was perceived to be a sign of perfection, of being God. So it's trying to point towards Jesus being the Messiah, Jesus being the Son of God. And these different signs, the walking on the water, the feeding of the 5,000, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, the different signs that point towards Jesus being the Son of God, that he's the one that they've been waiting for. But then almost the second half of John's gospel is about the last week on earth, about Jesus' final week on earth. And we've gone through that this Easter, haven't we? We've journeyed through the Lord's Supper and the intimacy of that meal. We've been through the betrayal of Judas and the pain there. We've been through the different teaching that Jesus imparted. We've seen that Jesus going to the cross, the betrayal and the denial in the garden. We've seen the anguish as they've left him and he's gone to the cross to be sacrificed. And then the excitement and the hope of a resurrection and the breakfast together. This absolutely amazing week that is so symbolic and significant to us as disciples today. And we're kind of in this middle ground this morning where we look at this first part where Jesus talks about the seven signs pointing towards him being the Messiah and this journey towards the cross. And we're in this kind of middle bit where Jesus wants to part, impart his final teachings. He wants to pass on his final teachings, this kind of in-between section. And they're wrestling with their best friend leaving. They're wrestling with all the uncertainties around that. But these are the things that Jesus wants them to grasp. He's got this just final few thoughts he wants to participate and help them understand he wants them to gain this understanding and this insight and it's not just for them it's also for us today it's also for us as we lean in to see this most significant most hope-filled teaching and it's almost like Jesus on his deathbed saying listen to me this is the stuff you need to grasp this is the stuff you need to understand this is the stuff you need to take into the ends of the earth for the sake of my kingdom and amidst the tension the atmosphere this kind of incredible intimate moment, he speaks this hope-filled passage that we've just read. And I want to suggest three things this morning that are important to us individuals and important to us as a church. It's three Ps. I don't know why I've started retreating to that. It's obviously my Baptist roots, but that's what we're going for. And if you like it or not, that's what we're doing this morning. But he first of all offers peace. He offers us peace. Amidst the uncertainty and all these unknowns, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You've trust in God. Now trust also in me. And the world that the disciples find themselves is in complete chaos and turmoil and upheaval. Was he really the Messiah? Was he really the leader that they'd been expecting? Was he really worth following? Was their friend now about to let them down? They were anxious. They were struggling. How are we going to cope without Jesus? How are we going to manage now he's gone? Is this mission possible now that he's leaving without us? How can they carry on? The world is in absolute turmoil and anguish and struggle. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, trust in God, now trust also in me. I'm about to complete the mission. The plan is in hand. I'm going to be king once and for all. I'm going to eternity. The plan is about to be fulfilled. And we see in this passage that Thomas doesn't get it. Philip won't accept it. But Jesus simply says, look to me. Trust in me. The Father is in me. Trust me. I'm the God of the universe. I'm able. I'm going to be with my Father forevermore in eternity. I'm in complete control. Trust me. I'm the way to a father. I'm the way to God. I am God. And how reassuring is that to us today? I bet there's not a person in this room who's not going through some sort of struggle right now. And he says, trust me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust me. To us as a church with a season of change, a season of transition, he's saying, trust me. He's saying, come to me, know my peace. For our city, he's saying, trust me me where there's pain and struggle he's saying give it to me do not let your hearts be troubled for our nation for our world he's saying trust me have peace and as an aside is it any wonder in a society where we often pushed God out where we've pushed the bringer and the personified person of peace out of our society that we've lost that peace and there's an endemic of anxiety and uncertainty, Jesus brings us peace because we're not dependent on any politician or ideology or any worldview. We are dependent on Jesus. He's in complete control. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in him. And notice in this passage, he doesn't say, come to me and I'll give you the strategy. Come to me and I'll show you the way. Come to me and I'll give you the wisdom. He says, trust me. Points himself points us to himself, points us to the Father, points us to God. Things don't instantly change, but we have peace because we come to Jesus amidst the change, amidst the struggle, amidst the uncertainty, amidst the pain. He says, trust me, do not let your hearts be troubled. I do think it's a Western mindset in our culture where we think that we deserve to understand God's ways. If God is really God, should we know how he wants to operate? Should we really know the plans for our futures? Of course, at times he wants to give us insight, but more often than not, he just says, trust me. Trust me with your future. Trust me with your church's future. Trust me with what is before you. Would we be able to handle knowing the future if we were told it? If God is God, then we have to trust that he can handle the whole story. Maybe we're not able to understand the bigger picture We're not always meant to know. Just simply trust me. Trust me. I know that doesn't always sit well with our rational minds, but he's saying, trust me, have peace. Corrie Ten Boom was a really influential Christian, and she was in the concentration camps and saved thousands of thousands of Jews from being persecuted and killed. 
and did remarkable things and shared her faith with many, many people. And in her book, Hiding Place, she talks about the fact that when she was learning about God's love and God's faithfulness, she was talking to her earthly father. And her earthly father was a watchmaker and had this huge suitcase full of heavy watches and belongings and was trying to help Corrie understand that God was able to carry the load for her. And he gets off the train and says, Corrie, I want you to carry the suitcase. And little Corrie struggles to take the suitcase, struggles to carry it, struggles to pull it. And then the father says, what sort of earthly father would I be if I left that for you to carry? Some things you're not ready to carry. Some things you have to trust with your earthly, sorry, with your heavenly father. That's what he's asking us to do with our lives. That's what he's asking us to do with our church. That's not just for today. That's always the case. Of course, we pray for wisdom. Of course, we pray for insight. But ultimately, we say, God, have your way. We want to place our future. We want to place our lives. We want to place our careers. We want to place our families into your care. We trust in God. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. We won't always know the way forward. As a church, we're stepping into a new season. But he's saying, trust me. Have peace. We trust in God and our hearts and minds are settled. Regardless of what's going on around us, we know peace that can only come from God. He offers us peace this morning. But he also offers us purpose. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And just as there's seven miracles that point towards Jesus, there's also seven I am sayings, and this is the sixth one. Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And again, indicating perfection, again, pointing towards God. He's saying that Jesus is the way to the Father's house, saying Jesus is the way to the Father. And what's significant about this passage is that the word used for Jesus going to be with a father is the same word that's used to talk about the temple. And the Jews would have understood the temple to be the place where God's presence was because heaven and earth met. He's saying that your purpose is found in the way, the truth, and the life which is in me, which is in my presence. Everything is found in me. Our direction, our everything is wrapped up in him, in his love, in knowing him. He's the center of it all, not us. As a church, we want to serve and follow Jesus above everything else. It's his way, his truth, and his life that we seek. It's not about us, it's about Jesus. We're not the center of our worlds, Jesus is. Our purpose is far greater than ourselves. It's knowing Jesus, living for Jesus, with Jesus. It's about prioritizing and worshiping and glorifying Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way. Stretzer wrote a book, and he talks about the church in our time. And he talks about the different responses and ways we can respond and how we engage with mission, how we engage with our culture in this day and age. It's a very recent book and it's helpful. And he talks about there's three kind of possibilities. He talks about the fact that we can strike to be relevant and saying that we can make our teaching relevant and our lifestyles relevant and our message appropriate and relevant. And of course, that's not wrong. It's a neutral comment to be relevant. Many talks about we can try and reconstruct, we can reconstruct our faith for this time. He says that we can look at the culture around us and think, how can we reconstruct the teaching and the life and ministry of Jesus to be suitable for our time, to rebuild it for our time? Or then there's revisionists who revise it again to suit it for our time. So there's relevance, there's reconstructionism, or there's revisionists. And all these can be helpful. It's right to think about what Jesus is for our time. It's right to think about how we worship and glorify Jesus and what the good news is for our day. Absolutely. 
But one of the challenges I want to suggest loud and clear is that we cannot compromise on the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's controversial in today's pluralistic society. It's not particularly politically correct, but Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only one worthy of our worship. I know this is exclusivism. I know this jars in a pluralistic society, but Jesus is the only way. We have to trust him with everything. You might ask, well, what about my friends who don't know Jesus? Well, we trust his sovereignty and grace for them. But he's offering us a wide-open invitation this morning to know him afresh, to know him in a profound and powerful way. The world is crying out there for disciples of Jesus to know Jesus intimately and passionately. They don't want a lukewarm, a safe, mediocre Jesus. They want us to know Jesus in a deep and profound way. Let's not water down this Jesus we read about in Scripture for the sake of society. Let's raise him up. Let's glorify him. Let's worship him like we've never done before. Our evangelism, first and foremost, comes from knowing Jesus above and beyond. We're yearning for hearts who know and love Jesus to know and love him afresh this morning. Our purpose on earth is to worship and glorify Jesus. Our number one call before anything else is to worship and glorify him in everything we do. So let me ask us this morning, do we know Jesus afresh? Do we know him more today than we did yesterday? Are we more in love with him now than we were a week ago? This isn't a guilt-ridden or a burdensome thing. This is an invitation to know Jesus in a profound and deep and close and intimate way. He's inviting us in. He's inviting us in and we can get lukewarm. We can drift. We can fall out of love with Jesus. But he's inviting us to come to him, to his table, to his face, to his cross this morning, to worship him, to glorify him, to know him in a profound way. It starts with us. Before we think about the world out there, it starts with us knowing Jesus afresh this morning. So do you love Jesus? Do I love Jesus? In recent years, Adele and I have started doing that thing. And it's in a good intention where you start thinking about matchmaking. Anyone else here who thinks it's, you know, they've got into that phase of kind of Christian life where you start trying to help others find boyfriends and girlfriends and relationships? Anyone else? It can't just be us. Come on, that's, that's terrible. We've got a 0% success rate, okay? So if we come near you, go running, right? It's not going to work. But what you do when you're matchmaking, and you do it with the best intentions, you say to someone, you know, this person's really funny, they're really attractive, you'd get on really well with them, you try and connect them. Or you say to this person, you know, this person would really connect with you and your similar interests and your similar hobbies, why didn't you get to know them? You're trying to make them fall in love, you're trying to make them be attracted to one another. But here's the reality, I can't make someone else fall in love with someone, you can't make me fall in love with someone. I can't make you fall in love with Jesus this morning, you can't make me fall in love with Jesus. His arms are wide open. His invite is completely available to each and every one of us. But what's our posture? What's our choice? To worship him, to glorify him, to give everything to him, to get to know him. He's waiting for us to come to him afresh. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Our purpose, our everything is wrapped up in knowing him and his love. We want to be all in for Jesus. We want to know Jesus afresh. We want to say, actually, before and beyond anything else, we are a church who really love Jesus. Absolutely, we'll have a mission strategy. Absolutely, we'll have activities and programs. But before and beyond anything, it's about loving Jesus. Our purpose is to glorify and to worship Jesus, to be 
serving him, to be seeking his presence. To be saying, actually, God, this morning, what an opportunity to worship you. What an opportunity to gather in this building to worship you. And I'm going to worship you regardless of what other people are doing. I'm worshiping you because of what you've done for me, because you came to earth for me, and you lived and you died and rose again for me. Our purpose is to worship him. And from this place, we see in this passage that there is power to do greater works. Well, how can this be, you ask? I'm not divine, you're not divine. How can we do greater works than Jesus? Well, there's a few things we see in Scripture that just help us understand this. We recognize it's not about our kingdom, it's about him. It's his kingdom, it's not about us, it's about him. It's his glory we seek, it's his face we seek. We seek greater works for his kingdom and his advance. But we're also post-Easter, so when Jesus gave his teaching, he hadn't been to the cross and resurrection yet, whereas we have now. We've seen that Jesus has risen again, and that risen resurrection power is available to us this morning. Jesus didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. He had just started. And he's saying to us this morning, are you going to do greater works with the Holy Spirit? He imparts his Holy Spirit. He left us with the Holy Spirit to do greater works with him. And the word is, that's used is paraclet, which literally means legal advocate, to get alongside us, to intercede on our behalf. Jesus leaves us with the Spirit to do greater works for his kingdom. Do we believe that? Do we believe his power is available to us this morning? Do we live like that? Do we live as though his power works in and through us? Do we consider tomorrow in our workplace when there's a struggle, when there's things that are before us which feel impossible, that God is going to do greater works in and through his people when we turn to him? Are we expecting God to do the impossible in and through his children? One of the things I've had to come to terms with in the last few years is I'd far rather meet Jesus face to face and think I've expected too much of you than live on earth, living a lukewarm, mediocre faith, expecting too little of him. Do you know the power that's available to you this morning as followers of Jesus, if you call yourself one? As we follow Jesus, we can expect to do greater works. You see, as we look back to these final words of Jesus, we look forward with hope. The disciples, in a matter of minutes, had gone from feeling betrayed, feeling concerned, feeling anxious, feeling unsettled, feeling nervous, to feeling excitement and faith and passion and possibility. Jesus was there saying, go and do greater works. As we look back to this story, we look forward with hope and possibility and faith. As we look back in our own lives, so often we can think about things where God has been faithful and we look forward with faith and hope and expect to do greater things with Jesus. I've got a prayer diary and repeated, I go back and think, wow, God, how did you answer that? It builds faith for the future. What are those things that we can look back in individually and build faith for the future? And for us as a church, I don't know if you remember, but November 2019, we were talking about God being the God of the immeasurably more. And how he could do greater works through his people. Not one of us, not a chance did any of us predict what the next few years would be like. With a pandemic and with the transition and all we've been through as a church, not one of us could have predicted it. The future was completely unknown. But has God been faithful? Absolutely, yes. Has God done the immeasurably more? Absolutely. 
when we think about the care ministries, when we think about the ways he's blessed us, when we think about the 30 alpha course, when we think about the different things that have happened over the last few years, God has been faithful. God has been good. We look back with thankfulness to look forward with faith. Let's have a fresh expectancy of what God can do in and through his people this morning. Let's have a fresh expectancy of what God can do through his church this morning. Let's begin to dream afresh of a church who can change this city, who can see churches planted, who can see the entertainment world, the business world, the education world, the political world changed and transformed by the power and love of Jesus through his people doing greater works in him. It's not because of me, it's because of him. It's not because of what we've done, it's because of what he's done. It's not because of who we are, it's because of who he is. But the vision always has been and always will be to follow Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. The vision is Jesus, to serve and love and know Jesus. And from that place, we receive his power to do greater works for his kingdom and his glory. So you all in, are you all in to Jesus this morning. You might want to fill in one of those cards, and that's fantastic, and that's helpful. You might want to take it away and think about it. That's okay, too. But more importantly, you're all in for Jesus. Are you committing to what Jesus wants to do in and through you? Are you committing to his purposes, his plans? Yes, there's unknowns. Yes, there's uncertainty. There always will be. We're kidding ourselves we ever think there's going to be a time where we have all the plans and certainty and answers to our realities. There's always going to be unknowns. There's always going to be change and transition. But the world is crying out for Jesus followers who know his peace, who carry his peace to a world that is torn and overthrown with anxiety. People who know his purpose in a world that is overwhelmed with insecurity and not understanding their true identity in Christ. And they're crying out for us to show them the power of Jesus working in and through his people. Let's not be lukewarm, mediocre, half-hearted Christians. Let's go and change the world one life at a time. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good and you are so deserving of our worship. Holy Spirit, would you fall on us this morning? Would you empower us as individuals and as a church? Would we know your goodness and your love and your grace afresh this morning? And would we dream of doing greater works in and through you for your kingdom? I pray for each of us as we worship you and meet with you this morning. That we wouldn't feel burdened or guilt-ridden or overwhelmed, we would feel just excited and passionate for you. We'd fall in love with you again. Holy Spirit, would you have your way amongst us? In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.